You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning and welcome to Fully Alive, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity for the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Ryan Luntz and I am the director of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. Our show brings you stories and perspectives that promote the social mission of the Catholic Church. We talk about the themes of Catholic social teaching and various issues of life, justice, and peace that are impacting our communities here in the Archdiocese of Chicago and beyond. We're here on 7.50 a.m. radio, WNDZ, from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock on the first Wednesday of the month, and online at radiotv.archchicago.org. And you can also find our show wherever you get your favorite podcast. Just search Catholic Chicago and you'll find us. And I want to say that we are pre-recording our program. This will be airing on May the 6th. Uh, We're recording on Monday, May the 4th. Happy Star Wars Day to all of you, belatedly. Um, And uh, just mentioning that because um, obviously with everything going on with COVID-19, we know that uh, news is changing very quickly and rapidly. And so um, just wanted to let you know that um, in case um, any news breaks between now and the time that we uh, record um, when this when this program airs, um, that uh, that may be why uh, we're not addressing anything that might be um, late breaking. Um, and given the, given the extraordinary situation that we all find ourselves in, we thought it would be helpful to talk about our, a little bit about mental health uh, to start our program today. And to join me, um, we have Deacon Tom Lambert, who is at Our Lady of Mount Carmel Parish. He's also the co-chair of the Archdiocesan Commission on Mental Illness. He's uh, the father of four daughters and has been married for uh, 52 years and uh, is also a past co-chair of the National Catholic Partnership on Disabilities Mental Illness Council. So good morning, Deacon Tom. How are you? Okay, Ryan. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Thanks for taking time to be with us today and uh, for, for joining us on the program again. So, uh, Deacon Tom, um, obviously this is kind of an extraordinary time that we're all in, and we're all navigating the best we can. How, just to start off, how, how have you been uh, as we've been through these, these strange weeks and get coming on months now? Yeah, well, it's 
it certainly has been strange, and I'm uh, much better now than I was at the beginning. I'm I'm pretty sure, like all of us, uh, um, it, when this first happened, uh, actually my wife had had open heart surgery in February, and so we just uh, brought her home and starting the recovery and 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 things that go along with that, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're um, sheltering in place and. Um, dealing with all the anxiety, quite frankly, and scariness of, uh, you know, the announcements they're seeing on TV and so on all the across the world what is happening. And, and that, that is scary and, and does create a lot of anxiety. But uh, the, one of the things that uh, we've learned is to work through that and, and try to uh, bring it to uh, prayer and um, meet the challenge and I think over the years I've learned, you know, 52 years of marriage and four children and so on, that life is really about flexibility and managing the changes. And, uh, of course, this is a huge one. Um, but um, it's really, you know, something that uh, we're not going to get the anxiety to go away or the scariness of it all to go away. Um, it's there. So the real key is managing that. How do I manage it, and how do I control those things that I have control of, and um, and kind of say, well, I don't have control of certain things, so um, I really can't worry as much about that. Um, it's the the old prayer of Saint Francis, you know, Lord, help me to control the things I can and not. Uh, have uh, too much worry about the things I can't. Yeah, and the wisdom to know the difference, right? <laughs> yeah, and the wisdom to know the difference, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, this, like I said, this is such a timely conversation, not only because of the, the pandemic that we're all trying to, to, to process and to, to manage, as you said, but uh, May is also Mental Illness Awareness Month, and I know you've been on our program before, and I know one of the things that we talked about before is just that Thankfully, it seems like the stigma around mental illness is starting to to get a bit better, um, although we know that that's still very much there. And and I think that maybe for listeners who are who are listening to us, um, those who may not have had a, a diagnosed mental illness before or, you know, have you know necessarily recognized a, a major bout of depression or anxiety. You know, this may be um, kind of an unusual time where you may recognize, be recognizing some of those those stressors in a way that maybe you, I don't think any of us have really experienced before. Um, and you started to get at this a bit, but what do you think is, is it about this whole ordeal that we're through that has has really kind of brought mental illness and mental health so much to the forefront these days? You, you started talking about kind of the uncertainty of, of everything that we're going through right now, but just as someone who has really dedicated their lives to talking about these things what what have you kind of noticed um as in the conversation that you conversations you've been having in, in recent weeks about mental health well yeah that, that's a good point is that uh this is affecting all of us and um we're all i always say you know on the on the mental health line we're all somewhere uh on that line you know either dealing with more issues or lesser issues at different periods of our lives so certainly this has heightened all that uh, in terms of our anxiety and so on. And um, I think, again, it's a matter of dealing with these issues and recognizing them. So uh, a lot of it uh, for people who have serious and persistent mental illness, but for all of us, is the change that has happened brings about uh, different uh, changes in our lives that might mean, well, for one, is, of course, Ill, uh, 
being isolated from others. So we're not in our normal routine. So we had, whether we were going to work, you know, we had the, the camaraderie or the companionship of people at work. Uh, whether we were going to school, you know, we had the, the relationships that we have there and the personal relationships in terms of interfacing with those um, face-to-face, uh, the conversations. And what, what one of the dangers that can happen now is that uh, we can be, you know, by ourselves or with our families, but we don't have those other relationships. And so we tend to become then isolated from that. So I think it's it's a matter of finding new ways of being creative in terms of maintaining relationships and maintaining the um, conversations that we might have had at and other, you know, face-to-face kinds of conversations. One of the issues that uh, I was talking about uh, to someone recently was that, you know, at Mass, uh, we get together at church, and then after Mass, maybe, or even going into Mass, you know, we see people we know, and we check in with one another. And, and for me, as a deacon, standing at the, after Mass, at, as people are exiting, it's kind of a check-in. Mm. Uh, and people say, you know, how you doing? So you, you, you get into little conversations, and it's maybe the priest, the deacon, the music minister, or whomever, but these are people we see on a regular basis. So we don't have that anymore. And uh, we are, you know, awaiting the day that we might have that again, but um, it's not going to be for a while, I don't think. So how do we compensate for that? What do we do to maintain those relationships? Uh, And it's a matter of saying, okay, I'm going to email somebody, I'm going to give somebody a call, I'm going to call the priest, I'm going to call the deacon, I'm going to call somebody that I'm in relationship with at church, and, or uh, and even our family members. I've had more conversations, I think, with uh, my brothers who live in three, I have three brothers, and they live in three different parts of the country, and we, we've we been on the phone, we Zoom, and, and we've communicated more, you know, we, I, we always used to joke, we used to communicate by rumor, now... <laughs> Now we're communicating by Zoom. So uh, it's, it's maintaining, I think, a new way of maintaining those relationships. And I think that's so important. And that's the key. Uh, and if I were going to say one thing in all the years, my over 30 years of, of ministering and helping and, and with people with mental illness, who helped me, by the way, uh, navigate life, it's by listening to people. Mm-hmm listening, and I call it holy listening. It's it's listening because everybody's story is sacred. And when we get into the conversation with people about the sacredness of their story and develop that over time, the relationship, um, it becomes very healing. And so that's the the danger that we face, is that we don't uh, get into those opportunities that we used to have in terms of listening. So we have to find new ways of doing that. Yeah. And something that you said really it resonates because I, I've heard multiple people say this over the last several weeks that, you know, we're, we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. And so right. there are people who are experiencing this pandemic in very different ways. I mean, I, I think about the enormous privilege that I have that I, I, I'm, I'm home with my family. I'm, I, we live in communities, so we have multiple adults that can help with you know, meal planning and, and watching the kids and all that. But mm-hmm. as you said, there are there are others who already were struggling with um, with various ailments, um, whether they be physical or mental, mental or emotional. 
and 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 there are people who you know who are very isolated and so they're they're experiencing this in a very different way and and so that 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 way of how we accompany one another and how we listen to one another is is so so important um one of the things i know you talked about um in an article that appeared recently in on chicago catholic was about how our faith tradition um and especially being in the easter season this this can be a time to to revisit our sacred scriptures in new ways so could you talk a little bit about how our our catholic tradition can can be a resource to us absolutely and um i think you know we we have a two i always tell uh like uh, people who are coming into the faith we have a 2000 year treasure that we can draw on and there are just multiple opportunities to do that and in this post easter season there's the readings are alive with the spirit the acts of the apostles and uh um, so on. So I think one of the stories that is my favorite is the Emmaus story, and and that's uh, I think very relevant to what we're dealing with in in this day. Is that those two apostles, having just seen the person that they pinned all their hopes and dreams on be crucified, are on this road, and they are obviously dealing with depression, anxiety, because Jesus appears before them and they don't recognize him. Mm-hmm. And I've had seen that for people who are dealing with, you know, illness and anxiety is that, you know, you, you're not thinking straight because of uh, the, the situation. And so what does Jesus do? Well, he, 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 it's not a, you know, an instant miracle. He walks them through the scriptures. He goes back to the basics. And the basics are God loves us. So this, this, you know, COVID-19 or any illness is not from God. This is not God's plan. God's plan is very clearly laid out in Genesis. God loves us. Everything God created is good. So that is the basics of it. And then throughout the, you know, the, the scriptures, we see how much God loves us. And so when you go through all those Old Testament stories and so on, God is always there for his people. And, you know, no matter what happens, God is there. And so I think that's a lesson for all of us is to look for the goodness of God in all that is uh, happening, even though a lot of it is not good, but there is goodness. And we see that, you know, we see that in, in people. Uh, I mean, just to me, one of the amazing things of, and wonderful things of all this is how we have transformed from people who go to church on Sunday to people who now are, you know, um, going on the computer and getting fed by preachers, by Sunday Mass, and so on. So while, you know, we miss that community aspect, certainly, of course, but there is still a way to find, you know, uh, uh, the basic teaching that God helps us. The other basic thing, I think, is that it's going back to our routines of of prayer, you know, and that for everybody it's different. We're, I always say we each have a unique relationship with God, so we each talk to God differently, just like, you know, members of our family. They're all different relationships, and they're all different personalities, and so <clears throat> each of us who have a different personality relate to God differently. So what is it in our prayer life that helps us to relate to God? Is it uh, rote prayer? Is it the Our Father? Is it rosary? Is it watching Mass on 
TV. And, and, and when I think of the masses on TV and the spiritual communion, what an opportunity to really bring God into our heart, even though we're not there receiving, you know, the body and blood of Christ. We are still receiving the body and blood of Christ spiritually. And, I, you know, when that first happened, when we couldn't go to Mass anymore, I thought, well, what about all the people in those countries where they don't have, you know, priests and don't, don't see a priest for once, but every month or two or even sometimes six months, they are nourished. They are nourished by one another, and they're nourished by their prayer life. And so that's, this is an opportunity to go back to that. We, you know, we have the term sheltering in place. I like the term, and I heard it from uh, a priest who said, we're sheltering in faith. Mm. So mm-hmm. this is an opportunity to shelter in faith, to go back to the basics, like those two apostles on the road to Emmaus, mm-hmm. go back to the basics. And as Jesus unfolded that story to them of the scriptures, they came to see God in a different light, in a different way, because as they said when they broke the bread that evening with Jesus, weren't our hearts burning as we listened to the story? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think, you know, the scriptures can do for us, is that it can spark that fire of God, that, that light of Christ in our life. Very good, very good. Well, we are at our first break, so we're going to uh, step away for a quick second, and then we'll be back with Deacon Tom. Stay with us. I believe in the sun I believe in the risen one I believe I overcome By the power of his Food pantries, home-delivered meals to seniors, evening-to-go meals for the homeless, financial assistance, counseling, and other services. These are all programs Catholic Charities has been providing for years to people in Cook and Lake Counties. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, we have worked to keep all of these programs going, never turning anyone away. The needs are urgent and they will grow, but we want you to know that we will be here, as we always have been, with food, housing, financial assistance, and ongoing support. Thank you to the many, many donors and partners helping us serve those most in need. We couldn't do it without you. Would you consider joining us too at this historic time? Go to catholiccharities.net to donate and to learn more about our volunteer opportunities. Thank you on behalf of all those we have the privilege to serve. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here. A census is about to take place in the United States. It only occurs every 10 years, and it's extremely important that we all participate. Hello, I am Cardinal Blaise Supich, here to tell you that I recently signed a proclamation of support for this nationwide initiative. I signed the proclamation because I know how critical the census is to our future. The census numbers determine political representation and the allocation of billions of dollars of federal, state, and local funds. Underserved neighborhoods especially need accurate counts so they can receive their fair share of improvements in infrastructure and services. Please respond to the 2020 Census questionnaires. This is for citizens and non-citizens alike. All information is totally confidential 
and will not be shared with other government agencies. We all benefit from an accurate census count. Thank you for participating and may God bless you and your families. Welcome back to Fully Alive, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. This is Ryan Lentz, and I'm here with Deacon Tom Lambert of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Parish, as well as the uh, co-chair of the Archdiocesan Commission on Mental Illness. Uh, Deacon Tom, thank you so much for um, for being with us again and um, and for sharing those words about the importance of our faith tradition. Um, you know, as you were talking it, and you mentioned the Acts of the Apostles and the um, you know the road to Emmaus. It, something that kind of resonated with me was I, I feel like some of these experiences of, of tuning in to uh, Zoom masses has, in a w- strange way, it kind of connects to some of what we hear of the early church uh, in the uh, Acts of the Apostles, right? These small groups gathered together yeah. and, and you know, kind of navigating uncertain times, right? I mean, it's a very different exactly. context, but it, it, does, it does resonate in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. And, the, and yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, please. Well, I was just going to say, I, I think you're absolutely right. And in in uh, navigating these uncertain times, we look for, you know, where do we see the hand of God in this? Uh, in terms of um, not the, the you know, COVID-19, but in terms of how we can be creative in um, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Um, our, our faith really many times boils down to the two commands Jesus gave us, love God. How do we find that relationship? How do we work on that relationship? How do we develop it? And our love for one another. Those are the two basics. And how do we do the same thing? How do we develop those relationships with others? How do we help others? What do we do that will make um, our lives and their lives better because we're in this together um before COVID 19 and now and after we are in this together and we are called out of our faith out of our love of god to love one another by you know being in those relationships and helping one another and i think that's a a huge key to managing the stress and anxiety of all this you mentioned the importance of sacred listening and, and that there, there's so much power in our stories. Um, I also think about, you know, tying it in with prayer, too. I, I've always appreciated that so much of prayer is paying attention and, and noticing the mo- you know, where God is present in our lives. And I know one of the things that you recommend is the importance of, of being attentive to what we're grateful for and, and what inspires us and, and not losing touch of that. So can you yeah. talk a bit about, like, you know, the importance of, of that perspective? Yeah, it, it uh, you know again it's focusing on what what is good in our lives. You know, what do we have gratitude for? 
Uh, one of the first things uh, my wife and I did uh, in, in the uh, you know, beginning weeks of all this was that we watched A Man for All Seasons uh, about St. Thomas More. And that has always been a powerful movie in our lives. We, we have showed it. I've worked in uh, helping people in the RCIA and in uh, three different parishes that I've been involved in. And, and we would always show that movie because here was a man of faith, a man who stood up for what he believed in. And um, it, 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 it's a good lesson for us in terms of uh, being true to ourselves, I would say, uh, uh, not the history that maybe goes along with the movie, but uh, certainly in terms of our faith and, and uh, his faith. So what that that was something that has always motivated us, and I think that's helpful. You know, with, who are the people in our lives who have given us inspiration? Who's, who's, it, maybe it was Mother Teresa. Maybe it was um, a lady next door who used to help out, uh, so it's uh, whether the person be a declared saint or just a, a saint in our lives that we have been in contact. What are, what are we grateful for? My wife has written, uh, she's a spiritual director, and she has written a prayer that we have on our website called Each Day. And it's a prayer that has been downloaded. It's the most downloaded item on our website. In fact, I got a call from a lady in Canada not too long ago who's who wanted me to know that that prayer was on her refrigerator door, um, and it's called Each Day. But it's 10 things that we can go through that we are grateful for, um, and I'll just name a couple of them. It's like, I will recall that I'm a child of God. Mm. Um, I will talk to someone today who will encourage me and see my goodness and holiness. Um, I will look for humor and reasons to laugh. Quiet joy is my goal. Um, I will seek 20 minutes of solitude, silence, and prayer. Um, I will walk outdoors if we, you know, in this day we can still go for uh, exercise. So uh, I will marvel at a sunrise, a sunset, the song of a bird, the soothing colors of nature, the serenity of, of now green grass, you know. Mm. Uh, we think we're finally getting spring here. So, okay. uh, but... Um, it, it, these are ten things, uh, and the final is, God is my hope and my joy. I will give honor and glory and praise to God, knowing and trusting what God has in store for me. So I think it is, um, and the final line is, we do not seek or like suffering, but our suffering can make us strong in many ways and more compassionate and loving to others, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So those so that each day is a prayer that we can say each day in gratitude for the things that are good in our lives and the things that, if we focus, we can be more appreciative of. I think that's one of the things that this sheltering in place, sheltering in faith, um, is an opportunity for, is, is learning more about ourselves, our relationship with God, um, and being in uh, a relationship with one another. I my wife and I play Scrabble and Gin Rummy every day. Mm -hmm. That's part of our routine. We have a routine, and I think that's important in all this. And one of, part of our routine is that in the morning and in the afternoon, we play one of those games. Now, six months ago, if you have ever said to me, you and your wife will be playing Scrabble and Gin Rummy, I would have looked at you a little differently and said, <laughs> what, are you kidding me? Uh, but we love it. We absolutely love it. 
and uh, we're we're both competitive, so uh, <laughs> we you know keep the score and uh, who won today, who. Won, but it's part of our routine, and it's part of uh, something that we have discovered is again bringing us closer together. So there there is blessings in this, and I think that's the gratitude part of it. What are the blessings that we're getting from this? Yeah, yeah. It's it's so important to pay attention to those things, and I I just would yeah second what you said about routine. I find that the days when I don't follow the normal things that I you know that I would typically do in a, a normal day, that it, it, I find it very easy to let the the circumstances of the day kind of overtake me, especially if there might be some bad news that we're all digesting. <laughs> and so just like those little simple things that are little markers that can give us a mm-hmm. sense of of, okay, how do we be productive? How do we be mindful and, and you know, prepared mm-hmm. to, to, you know, and just a little bit more equipped to, to, to handle the day, I think is so, so important. And I just want to mention too, that uh, your, uh, your, you mentioned your website, which is miministry.org. Um, it has the, has the prayer that your wife uh, wrote as well as some other um, great resources. And um, I know that you also um, were um, the past president of NAMI Illinois, and that that's also a resource that people can turn to if they feel like talking to a professional counselor could be a resource for them. So I just wanted to mention that as well. Um, Yeah, the National Alliance on Mental Illness uh, is a a wonderful program. They have chapters in Chicago, they have chapters in the suburbs, and they offer uh, a lot of... uh, They've another group that has made the switch to online resources very well and they offer a lot of good programs uh helplines and stuff if you're dealing with anxiety yeah and you can you can find them in chicago by just dialing 311 um i also want to mention that you can um contact catholic charities and they have resources for counseling as well unfortunately we are out of time but deacon tom thank you so much for being with us for all the work that you do and, uh, and for sharing some great resources to keep us um, whole and, and together uh, during these times of COVID-19. So thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Good to be with you. Teamwork. It's a word that inspires individuals and groups of people to achieve important goals. And in recent weeks, teamwork has been essential to our food and nutrition services at Catholic Charities. Careful allocation of food supplies has allowed all nine of our food pantries to serve twice the number of guests they usually see. A detailed coordination of staff and resources has ensured that our WIC centers remain open for families with children under five years old. Despite social distancing, our volunteers and restaurant partners have continued to make to-go meals possible for the hungry and the homeless who come to 721 North LaSalle and our suburban locations. And our creative employees have worked with food vendors and neighbors to make sure homebound seniors and the disabled still have meals delivered to them. Our team members recognize how serious food insecurity can be. Please join us in our mission. Visit www.catholiccharities.net. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. 
Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to Fully Alive, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity for the Archdiocese of Chicago. This is Ryan Lentz. So as of May 1st in the state of Illinois, individuals are now required to wear a face covering or a mask in public uh, if they cannot maintain a six-foot social distance. I know throughout my neighborhood, throughout the city, places that I go uh, when I have to go out of, of home, I, I'm seeing more and more people wearing masks, which is a great way to prevent uh, coronavirus from spreading. And one of the things that is happening in the Archdiocese of Chicago is that we are encouraging people to participate in making homemade masks. The city of Chicago is actually um, doing a Chicago Together, Make a Mask, Give a Mask, Wear a Mask, a citywide cloth mask drive uh, that's happening right now through uh, mid-May. It ends on Saturday, May the 16th. And one of the things that has really uh, encouraged me and brought a lot of light to my life is I've seen how many people on social media um, have taken this on as a ministry, have uh, have started to make their own homemade masks for others. And one of those uh, people is on the program with me now, uh, Dan Quinn. Welcome to Holy or to Fully Alive. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Dan. So you are you're a parishioner at Old St. Pat's. I, I first met you uh, through the Beloved Retreat that uh, that Old St. Pat's offers a couple times a year. And uh, you were one of the people that I noticed on on Facebook uh, that you know started producing these really cool masks uh, for people in your life and for medical workers and and whatnot. And I knew that you uh, had some some woodworking skills. I'd seen some homemade crosses that you had made, um, but I had no idea that uh, that making masks was in your repertoire as well. So tell me a little bit about how this came to be. Uh, I'm uh, probably the classic uh, jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Uh, I'm a little <laughs> bit of a woodworker, but uh, other woodworkers look at my stuff and say, oh, boy, you know, that could be improved. Uh, but I, it's a creative outlet for me. I'm an uh, avid uh, alley picker, so I get the bottom half of the table someplace and the top half someplace else and, uh, you know, put them together and call it a project. And that's kind of what led me into this uh, mask stuff. I, I am a non-sewer. I've never sewed them before about five weeks ago. Mm. And uh, we just started hearing, like everybody else, uh, about the PPE shortages. And it really struck me when uh, we started hearing that you know, medical professionals weren't getting PPE. And we have a couple of doctors on our block, spoke to a few of them, and, and said, yeah, it was, a, it was a real need. So 
kind of dug in and uh, in the new American uh, way, uh, jumped onto YouTube and started watching videos and seeing what other people were doing and uh, just kind of found my way to a couple patterns and have been focused on those. Uh, bought a, uh, a beginner's sewing machine off of uh, Facebook Marketplace and uh, ruined a little bit of material, but uh, got going and got a few made and with you know, each one you make and maybe put a picture out someplace, you get some encouragement or a suggestion and get a little bit better. And now we've got some that, uh, you know, when I look and see the pictures, I think that that's not terrible. <laughs> well, and, and, and not only are you making the masks at, I would say, uh, above average, uh, uh, you know, skill level, you also, you're putting a lot of personality into them. I mean, I've, I've been following <laughs> you. You, I've seen everything from floral patterns to denim to Batman, to the Chicago Blackhawks. I even saw a Harry Potter one on there. So you're really, there. it seems like, especially for the ones that you're making for friends and family, there's there's definitely some thoughtfulness and some care. And, you know, there's, there's. I'm, I'm imagining it's it's a form of prayer doing this. Am I right? Absolutely. And I, and I definitely pray with, uh, with every stitch, you know. Uh, I, I'm fond of the Jesus prayer and uh, um, utter that over and over. But... Uh, yeah, I de- definitely think very much about the who I'm making the mask for. It's it's nice to put together, say, ten masks and get them off to Misericordia or through Night Ministry or some other things like that. But um, friends and uh, family, neighbors drop off T-shirts and ask if uh, something can be made from this or that. And to uh, to really use all the material and get the idea of what the original T-shirt was and, and get it out to people is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, a friend uh, dropped off uh, two Blackhawks T-shirts and said, uh, you know, do with it what you can. And other people in my life are huge Blackhawk fans as well. And, uh, you know, we're able to put probably five or six uh, Blackhawk masks together um, out of those, and some are Stanley Cup masks, and some are uh, uh, Duncan Keith masks, and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. Dark Matters coffee T-shirt uh, got uh, donated and went out to a friend who's a big uh, coffee lover. Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And I know you're not alone in this endeavor either. I mean, I've seen some of the pictures in addition to some of the the handiwork that you've uh, produced. uh, It seems like a lot of family and friends have really been getting into supporting this effort as well. As you said, either donating raw materials or even helping with uh, with some of the work as well. You want to speak a little bit to that? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm a big uh, fan of the uh, phrase that uh, we all drink from wells that we did not dig and warm ourselves by fires that we did not build. Uh, and this effort has been very much that kind of a thing. I really haven't purchased any material. Mm. Uh, people have been donating materials. They drop off T-shirts. Someone dropped off a couple of dress shirts yesterday, and I'm just starting to make uh, some masks out of those. So uh, I maybe have spent $50 or a little bit more on direct materials of elastics and things like that when I could find them, but for the most part, all kinds of people through the Bluff community, through Old St. Pat's, neighbors, friends, um, either send a package or drop something off on the porch and text me. And, yeah, it is a real communal effort. And, you know, it's fun that I think a few people have seen that I got started doing this and started their own small groups that are making masks. I like to think that what they said is, well, if Dan can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's really great that, you know, my younger sister got involved and uh, 
Um, she's in a two flat with a couple of people, and then a neighbor has a sewing machine. They've got their own uh, small uh, group making like 60 masks a week that are all going into not-for-profits like Misericordia, uh, Night Ministry, and there's a local food bank in their neighborhood um, that those are all going into. So, yeah, I mean, it, everyone contributes in one way or another. Uh, Laura is a huge contributor to what I'm doing. Um, you know, the things that we take on are always joint efforts in some way, whether it's the encouragement or the support or the ideas, suggestions that, that come through. Um, I just don't think any of us really do things alone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just think it's such a great example of, like, you know, obviously in a situation like this where a lot of things are restricted and, and our, our quote-unquote quote normal kind of way of life is is just so far away, um, it's a great reminder of that there there are always things that we can do. And and as you said, you know, it's like it, sometimes it, it can be as simple as just learning a new craft. And and that you know, if you if you put that out there with love into the world, uh, it tends to multiply in unexpected ways. And I think it's just a powerful testament to how the church is still very very much alive, even when our sanctuaries are closed. Uh, the the body of Christ is 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 working hard. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a, a Teddy Roosevelt quote: uh, "Do what you can with what you have, where you are." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's, for me, very much, you know, what this kind of an effort is. And as you're saying, you know, community-wide, uh, we know some folks that uh, um, are obviously cooking a lot more, but when they do, uh, aside from what they need for their family, they make individual um, servings and put them out and make them available for, you know, others, neighbors, whether it's not a good night to cook or whatever. Yeah, yeah everyone contributes, whether it's directly through your family or, or your neighborhood, uh, your your church uh, community. There's just so many ways to contribute. And it really connects beautifully to just something that we were, a conversation I was just having with Deacon Tom Lambert about mental health uh, during this time. And one of the things that he, he talks about is not only, you know, to keep track of what you're grateful for, but, but to always ask yourself what you can do to help others. Because I think that these can be times that can be very isolating. And, and I, I don't know if this resonates with you, Dan, but I know in my own life, times that I can feel very down on myself or kind of feel a, sen- a sense of despair. It's those those simple acts of love, those simple acts of service where I can get out of my own head and think about, okay, what are other people experiencing? And as you said, you know, certainly we have people on the front lines who are um, are really bearing the brunt of a lot of suffering and trauma right now. And, you know, if, if it's something as simple as, yeah, making a meal or, or making a mask um, and that can help to alleviate some of the suffering in the world, uh, it can it can bring us back to ourselves in a way that um, can be very healing and and can really kind of reconnect us to the fact that we all have a vocation and we all have a are called to to love others uh, from wherever we are and whatever we can do. Agreed. Uh, you know, one of the things I've been noticing, and with the weather getting a little bit nicer and trying to sit out on the front porch a little bit uh, and get some sun, uh, it seems to me that there are people are. Um, being more overtly kind, mm. more overtly, especially when they've got a mask on, because it's easy to now feel like you're a little bit covered, you're a little bit hidden. I think I've seen more people call out to each other, speak to the stranger, you know, have a, have a kind word. And I think that's really important that when you cover two-thirds of your face, you're, you're taking away a lot of those visual clues of, you know, what people are saying, how they're saying it, you know, where the kindnesses are, where the little smile is, that kind of thing. Um, and for people to immediately react in a different way and, um, 
you know, communicate more positively, I think is great. Yeah. And it would certainly be a beautiful thing if that's something that just becomes more part of our, our life. You know, you think about times where, and certainly there are places where neighbors know one another, but I mean, I know in my own, in my own block, there's a lot of folks that I haven't had a lot of conversations with until this, this, this whole stay in place thing happened. And it's, right. it's hopefully creating opportunities to be more intentional about building community moving forward. And that that will ultimately be a, a silver lining of this whole um, ordeal that we've been through. Um, I, I know our neighbors are, are much more uh, cognizant now of what they're doing and how that affects others, including just the running of the errands and the ordering groceries and stuff. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have people checking in with us all the time saying, uh, well, I'm doing our every two-week Costco run today. Can I save you a trip? Mm-hmm. And that is it's just so thoughtful, you know, in the, you know, do what you can where you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I see that we're almost to our break, so I just want to mention um, if folks are inspired by Dan's story and would like to learn how they can make a mask for others, um, definitely go to archchicago.org. Uh, when you're on the main page, you'll see a, a rotating slide that says COVID-19 Pastoral Resources. When you click on that and you go to Virtual Accompaniment, uh, there's a whole section on how to make your own masks. There's guidelines from the CDC. There's information about how the uh, the Chicago-wide um, mask collection is going to happen. So uh, please uh, roll up your sleeves and get involved. And uh, Dan, thank you so much for being on the program and uh, for doing all that you're doing. God bless it was, you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. God bless you. Right. Stay with us. We invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend, featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the Archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. We'll talk with Cardinal Blaise Supich about how the COVID-19 epidemic is affecting just about every aspect of life in America, including how we worship. We'll talk about attending Mass online and how the church continues to reach out to help those in need. We'll also bring you stories about using modern technology to teach fire safety to our children and when losing your hair can be a good thing for others. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable Channel 25 and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network Channel 100. Food pantries, home-delivered meals to seniors, evening-to-go meals for the homeless, financial assistance, counseling, and other services. These are all programs Catholic Charities has been providing for years to people in Cook and Lake Counties. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, we have worked to keep all of these programs going, never turning anyone away. The needs are urgent and they will grow, but we want you to know that we will be here, as we always have been, with food, housing, financial assistance, and ongoing support. Thank you to the many, many donors and partners helping us serve those most in need. We couldn't do it without you. Would you consider joining us too at this historic time? Go to catholiccharities.net to donate and to learn more about our volunteer opportunities. Thank you on behalf of all those we have the privilege to serve. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here.
Thanks for staying with us on Fully Alive, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. This is Ryan Lynch, your host. And uh, we're going to spend uh, the last segment of our sh- show talking a little bit about um, the aspect of workers during COVID-19. Uh, and I'm delighted to have on the program with me now um, a member of the uh, staff of Arise Chicago, Luke Sullivan, who's their religious organizer. Good morning, Luke. Morning, Ryan. How are you holding up these days? You know, doing my part and, and trying to uh, stay stay away from everybody. <laughs> well, I know you've been keeping very busy uh, because I've I've been following Arise Chicago. So those who are not familiar with Arise, it's an organization, actually one of our CCHD grantees that uh, is uh, really is dedicated to addressing systemic poverty and really looking at the rights of work, workers and the dignity of work. And I know there's been so much in the news these days just about essential workers and about the uncertainties that everything connected to COVID-19 is, is having on the economy and on workers. Can you talk a, a little bit about um, how the mission of Arise has kind of adapted to the realities that we've been facing over the last several weeks? Absolutely. You know, it, it's really interesting to see what, what's going on and, and who are the real essential workers in the economy. It was sort of a humbling experience for me to realize I was not an essential worker for mm. the United States, but um, you know, it's interesting to see who are the essential workers and how are these, these essential workers being treated, um, you know, because how many essential workers do we know that make minimum wage, that do not have access to health care? These are people who are literally putting their lives at risk every day and yet are sort of the lowest rung in the economy in terms of how they're being treated at the workplace. And we see in terms of what workers are experiencing and how we're working with them, they sort of fall into four categories. Um, and so, you know, as we know, so many workers are being left out of the stimulus bill, the CARES Act that was being passed. How many workers in the United States are not getting the $1,200 stimulus check, the $600 a week on extra for unemployment, and all these other things that the, that the government is uh, passing? these policies of government passing that workers aren't receiving any benefits from it. Mm-hmm. We see many workers who are forced to go to work but are not essential. You know, we hear about the essential work, but how do you know if you're essential versus non-essential? How many workers who work in non-essential industries are still going to work without proper safety equipment? Yeah, we see d- workers who are essential, but they're, you know, the boss taking no precaution against COVID-19, you know. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, very frustrating to hear these stories of, of factories where, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of workers have become sick or and many of whom have died because just the nature of the work. They're in close proximity to one another and 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 safety measures are not being made to, to keep people safe. Exactly. You know, nothing sort of breaks me more than than hearing those stories. And, and we've worked with uh People. One, one of our worker members that we worked with was asymptomatic mm. with COVID-19, worked in the, in the factory. Of course, there was no safety precautions being taken. Went home, lived with his two parents. Both his parents got infected, and unfortunately, both of his parents passed because mm. of COVID-19. And, it was be- and he was asymptomatic of it, and it was because that the workplace where he was working did not put any safety precautions in place to protect him or other workers. And this is the reality that is being experienced by hundreds of thousands of workers throughout throughout the diocese, throughout Cook County, throughout Lake County. 
we see how much energy is being put into protecting the lakefront and parks connected to the lakefront, which is really important. But we want to see we want to see those same resources being put in to make sure that workers uh, aren't putting their lives at risk to go to work. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about some of the resources that you've uh, you've produced. I know that on your website you have uh, a lot of new sections of the website that are really designed to help workers to navigate some of the uncertainties and some of the questions they may have related to COVID-19 and essential work. Yeah, so, you know, because this is Chicago, we have our resources in English, Spanish, and Polish. And we try to create FAQ documents that hit the, the essential point for what people really want to know around COVID-19. So one is how to protect yourself at work. What is the difference between an essential and a non-essential worker? Because that sort of what is essential, what is non-essential can be sort of varying and, and can change. And so we want to make sure that we're up to the minute with the changing regulations of Governor Pritzker. Um, sample letters to use to protect your job. What are letters that, that you can give to, to your boss with your coworkers around, you know, things that, you know, a petition for currently employed workers, um, inviting your coworkers to take action, a sample letter if you were laid off, you know, those types of things. Uh, around unemployment benefits, right, for domestic workers, different government offices you can call, and, and it goes on and on. We have that in our, on our website. COVID-19 English, COVID-19 Espanol, then COVID-19 in Polish. And then we also have videos and flyers that we've created, uh, videos around essential, non-essential, uh, unemployment benefits, owed vacation time, federal paid leave. Uh, what if you're sick? What do you do then? What if your employer is not following COVID-19 regulations? We've had sample Facebook town halls uh, with uh, worker rights trainings on, in English and Spanish, and we're going to have one on in Polish as well, just to try to give people a better sense of what are your rights on the job, because we want to make sure that people know that their life is more important than their livelihood, as Governor Pritzker says, and so we have to protect people's lives first. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, the website is arisechicago.org, A-R-I-S-E, chicago.org. And as Luke said, um, there there's really robust sections in English, Spanish, and Polish uh, that has uh, a lot of really helpful resources. Um, for, for those who are listening who want to know how they can support these efforts, what would you recommend uh, to folks uh, in terms of advocacy, in terms of reaching out to elected officials to um, to let make our voices heard and to really act out of uh, our Catholic values. Yeah, I think some of the most important things people can do is to make sure that if they see companies that are not following the safety protocols mandated by the, the order by Governor Pritzker, so to make sure that our workers, do they have masks? Are they standing six feet apart? Also making sure that people recognize essential versus non-essential. If they can see companies that are non-essential but are still working to make sure that they report that to the attorney general office if they're not in the city of Chicago and to the office of labor standards if they are in the city of Chicago. Um, you know, helping people around unemployment and, and being laid off and health and safety and all those other things. It's really making sure that the people who work aren't putting their lives on the line and risking their lives to, uh, you know, risking their lives every day to, to go to work. That's really the, the biggest thing we're doing. And, and to reach out, we have a lot of media videos and, and share, sharing our videos on Facebook with people that they know. Uh, I think those would be really important things. 
And I'm glad you mentioned the uh, Chicago Office of Labor Standards. I know that Arise worked tirelessly for years to to get that um, get, get that up and running. And obviously, you know, this is a critical time where we really need to hold that office accountable to do its work. Um, can you speak also about the Chicago Paid Emergency Leave Ordinance? I know that's something that um, is on your website that um, you're trying to promote. Yeah, what we're trying to do is to recognize that, you know, people say if you have COVID-19, you are quarantined for two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what the message of the public health community is putting out there. And yet, for many people, they only have access to five paid sick days a year. And so that would only be one week. And so if we only give people five paid days off and they, and they need a minimum of two weeks pay, days off, what are we? What are what is going to happen during that second week? And the reality that people may, people may be forced to go to work when they're not, you know, they aren't fully quarantined for those full two weeks and can put other their coworkers at risk. And so we're trying to put in this emergency paid sick days ordinance that when there's when during this public health emergency and during the next public health emergency, there's a system created so that workers are going to be able to take the time off that they need. And so be, be paid for it because we see what happens when people don't have access to the resources, to access to these paid sick days that they need to care for themselves and that they put more and more and more people, people at risk. Great. Well, again, that website is arisechicago.org. Uh, Luke, thank you so much for all the work that you and the team at Arise are doing to um, bring this attention to light and to continue to support workers uh, during these uncertain times. We're, we're so grateful for your partnership. Thanks so much, Ryan. Yeah. So I want to thank, uh, again, I want to thank Luke. I want to thank uh, Dan Quinn. I also want to thank Deacon Tom Lambert uh, for being uh, my guest today. I want to thank Brian Brack, who uh, produced and engineered the show today. Um, please visit archchicago.org slash coronavirus to continue to learn to stay, uh, find ways to stay connected and to um, access resources that um, the Archdiocese is producing during these times. Um, I also just want to mention again catholiccharities.net uh, is a great clearinghouse uh, for uh, getting resources on a whole host of uh, areas. Uh, you've been listening to Fully Alive, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. You can check out archives of our show online at radiotv.archchicago.org. If you have a question or a comment for us, please uh, email us at ohds at archchicago.org. On behalf of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity, my name is Ryan Lentz. Thanks for listening, and stay safe and, and stay, stay healthy, everyone. Thanks. I believe I overcome. By the power of his blood. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media. Come